Welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. And today we begin our study of Psalm 89. Psalm 89 ends Book 3 of the Psalms. And Book 3, in many ways, is the most sad of all the books of the Psalms. This psalm focuses on national laments in Psalm 74 and Psalm 79. And we will see that at the end of this section in verses 38 through 52 of Psalm 89. But Psalm 89 in many ways is unusual because many of the individual psalms move from lament to praise. They begin on a note pouring out grief and complaints to God, but end on a note of praise. You see that in Psalm 13. You see that in Psalm 22. You see that in Psalm 31. You see that in Psalm 69. But Psalm 89 is different. Psalm 89 doesn't move from lament to praise, but instead it moves from praise to lament. It it begins on a note of praise to God in verses 1 through 18, but ends on a note of grief and lament in verses 38 through 52. And Lord willing, today we want to study Psalm 89 verses 1 through 18. Lord willing, we will have at least two and maybe three lessons on this great psalm. But let's read the first four verses. A mascal of Ethan the Ezrahite, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations, I will make known your faithfulness with my mouth. For I have said, loving kindness will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. This psalm celebrates God's loving kindness and God's faithfulness. We stated a moment ago, this psalm will end on a strong note of praise. It will end on a strong note of lament, but it begins on a strong note of praise. He does not allow the problems that uh, called for this particular psalm to let him forget that God is one who is worthy of praise. And particularly praised are God's loving kindness and God's faithfulness. Both of those terms are introduced in verse 1. I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. Psalm 88 verse 11 asks, Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Psalm 89 uses the term loving kindness, or it's plural. It uses this term seven times. And the psalmist says, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. Now, it is interesting that actually that Hebrew term for loving kindness is used in the plural in verse 1, and it's used in the plural in its last of the seven times in these psalms in verse 49. 
All the other times in this psalm, it is used in the singular. As a matter of fact, this word appears about 250 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. And only 10 times does it occur in the plural. And it does it twice in this particular psalm. I will sing of the loving kindnesses, or the ESV has, the steadfast love of the Lord. To all generations, I will make known your faithfulness. Psalm 88 verse 11 asks, Will your faithfulness be declared in Abaddon? But this psalm, Psalm 89, declares God's faithfulness throughout. And this term is also used seven times. The term loving kindness or loving kindnesses is used seven times. The term faithfulness is used seven times. And the word forever is used seven times in Psalm 89. God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness are praised and demonstrated as this psalm goes on. And God's loving kindness and faithfulness are particularly demonstrated in his covenant with David in verse 3. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your seed, verse 4 says, and build up your throne to all generations. God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness are demonstrated in his loyalty to David individually and to his descendants, to his seed. And God is said to build up his loving kindness in verse 2. And in verse 4, I will build up your throne to all generations. This Hebrew word build up, which is used in verse 2 and verse 4, was used interestingly in 2 Samuel 7 four times in verse 5, verse 7, verse 13, and verse 27. 2 Samuel 7 records David's desire to build the Lord a house, to build the Lord a temple. But God's answer is, You will not build me a house, but I will build your house, your family, your dynasty. God was going to demonstrate his power, his loving kindness, his faithfulness in building up the house of David. That word used four times in 2 Samuel 7 is used here in Psalm 89, verse 2 and verse 4, and translated build up. In many ways, Psalm 89, verses 19 through 37, is a poetic retelling of 2 Samuel chapter 7. But verses 1 through 4 introduce us to God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness, as demonstrated by David. But the Bible tells us in verse 5, The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies is comparable to the Lord, and who among the sons of the mighty is like the Lord, 
a God greatly feared in the counsel of his holy ones, and awesome above all those who are around him. O Lord of hosts, who is like you, O mighty Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, you steal them. You yourself crush Rahab like one who is slain. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. Now, I want you to notice the language that's used in verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7 of Psalm 89. In verse, in verse 5, the Bible talks about the assembly of the holy ones. In verse 6, uh, the Bible talks about the sons of the mighty. In verse um, 7, the Bible talks about the counsel of the holy ones. I think all of those verses, 5, 6, and 7, are a reference to the angels and the assembly, the council of the angels, the sons of the mighty one. The sons of the mighty one are referenced too to angels. You remember in the Bible that sometimes when angels appeared to human beings, they were overwhelmed and thought they would die or were amazed that they survived the experience. You see this with Hagar. In Genesis 16, 13, or Jacob in Genesis 32, verse 30. You see it with Gideon in Judges 6, 22 through 24, or Samson's parents in Judges 13, verses 19 through 22. All of these people were amazed. They survived seeing an angel. How could they see an angel and live? And yet, as far greater as the angels are, they are nothing compared to God. All of these in their assembly praise God in verses 5 through 7. They praise the God who is awesome, who is who creates awe and fear and terror, even in the council of these mighty angels. How great is our God that even the angels cower before Him. And the question is asked in verse 8, Who is like you, O mighty one? The question is asked many times in the Bible, in Exodus 15, 11, in Micah 7, verse 18. And it's asked quite frequently in the Psalms. In Psalm 35, 10, or Psalm 71, verse 19. Who is like you, O mighty Lord? There is none who compare. There is no God his equal, no prince his heir. O Lord of hosts, who is like you, O mighty one? Your faithfulness surrounds you. In verse 8, God's faithfulness uh, envelops all that he is and all that he does. And in verse 9, you rule the swelling of the sea. In Canaanite theology, it was believed that Baals controlled the sea and controlled the storm. But it is not Baal who controls these things. It is yet 
Yahweh who does. You rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, you steal them. You crushed Rahab like one who is slain. And Rahab is used here like the term Leviathan is used, like the term the great dragon is used. In Isaiah 27, 1, in Isaiah 51, verses 9 through 11, Rahab is a great monster that presents itself as a hostile foe of God, and God is pictured as crushing Rahab, scattering his enemies with his mighty arms. There is no one who can compare to God. There is no one who can control the seas as he can, who can defeat his most ferocious foes. None can. And in verse 11, the heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. Heaven and earth, a merism, to indicate that these were created and they are controlled by God as long as anything else. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that it contains, you founded them, the north and the south. You created them. Tabor and Hermon shout for joy at your name. Tabor and Hermon, the most prominent mountains in the land of Israel, and they shout for joy at the presence of God. God creates all, north and south. Some think north in verse 12 is a reference to Zaphon, believed to be the dwelling of the gods in Canaanite theology. But instead, it is God who reigns. If this alludes to Canaanite theology, it does it to only point out Yahweh as the supreme God. In verse 13, you have a strong arm, your hand is mighty, your right hand exalted. God's right hand can defeat his foes in Exodus 12, in Exodus 15, verse 6, Exodus 15, verse 12. And the Bible says in verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. Most of the time in which Isaiah uses, most of the time where Psalm 89 uses the word throne, and I believe it uses the word throne five times, most of the times it refers to David's throne as it did in verse 4. But while most of the time it refers to David's throne, in verse 14, it refers to the Lord's throne. And the reason that God can establish David's throne in loving kindness and faithfulness is because, in verse 14, his throne rests on loving kindness and faithfulness, on righteousness and justice. And because of that, in verse 15, how blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. O Lord, they walk in the light of your countenance. They walk in the light of your countenance. How blessed are the people who walk in the light of the Lord. And in verse 16, in your name they rejoice all day all the day. They 
walk in his way. They rejoice in him and his name. Verse 16, and by your righteousness, they are exalted. In verse 17, you are the glory of their strength. And by your favor, our horn is exalted. In verse 18, for our shield belongs to the Lord and our king to the Holy One of Israel. So, how blessed are the people, verse 15, who know the joyful sound, who walk in his light, in verse 15, who rejoice in his name, verse 16, who are exalted by his righteousness, verse 16, who glory in his strength, in verse 17, who find their strength in him, in verse 17. You see, verse 18 begins the shift from God the heavenly king to a mention of the earthly king, our shield, and our king. Psalm 89 begins on a strong note of praise, stressing God's loving kindness and God's faithfulness, stressing that even the mighty angels bow and fall down before God. Psalm 89 stresses that there is none like God and he can trample the most formidable foes. All in the universe belongs to him and all righteousness and justice that is done ultimately emanates from his throne and it comes from him. God is to be praised. Now, I want us to make a couple of points from Psalm 89, 1 through 18, that tie to the person of Jesus. In verse 9, Jesus rules the swelling of the sea. He steals the rising of the waves. In verse 9. In verse 9, Jesus shows that when he quiets the winds and the waves in Mark 4, 35-41, that he is the God revealed on the pages of the Psalms. God is the one who can tame the seas. Psalm 65, 7. Psalm 107, verse 29, as well as Psalm 89 and verse 9. And as Jesus was asleep on the boat... And the disciples feared they were drowning, and they they saw the ferocious storm, and they cry out, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? He gets up and steals the sea, merely saying, Peace, be still. Jesus rules the swelling of the sea, and when its waves rise, he crushes them. But I also want you to notice that word crushed. God crushed Leviathan in Psalm 89 and verse 10. The Lord crushed Leviathan. But this particular verb crushed is also used in these verses. See if you recognize these words. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities, Isaiah 53 and verse 5. 
Isaiah 53 verse 10, it pleased the Lord to crush him. God who crushed the great sea monster who was hostile to him, crushed his son Christ who bore our sins and bore our transgressions. How great, how amazing the grace of our God. Thank you for listening, and Lord willing, more on Psalm 89 next time.